give us the power to build a building on a hill that stands for something in the community. That we're not afraid to stand up for what we believe in and tell the lawmakers and the rulers in this nation and every other nation in the world, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He's coming back and you better repent of your sins or you're going to answer for them. Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. I want to tell you something about your dominion instinct. I want you to listen. Don't miss this. If Adam, who went to hell, listen to me, he's in hell right now. He's conscious, he's alive, and he's burning. Adam. If Adam were to be brought back and inserted into your life right now, listen carefully. Adam, the pagan, the rebel who went to hell, he had the full capacity of his mind. His dominion instinct was absolutely complete without any interference. And this is true of me and it's true of you. If Adam came back right now and we inserted him into your position and wherever you live, to sleep in your bed and to go to the job you have. Listen to me carefully. Adam, the wicked man, the first. Within just a few weeks, using his skills of dominion, he would become a millionaire with nothing but what you have. And what, what good would it be? He's better, he's a better businessman than you. He was smarter than you. He knew God better than you and he went to hell. And I said that for a reason, because if you are only developing the dominion instinct no differently than Adam, number one, you're not as good as him, number two, you'll end up in the same place he went. Your goal in becoming a Christian, in being born again, is not to perfect the arts of Adam, the lost one. You are to learn to take your dominion instinct and do what Adam failed and refused to do. And how you do that, the entrance into the kingdom is very simple. Adam couldn't enter. And it is my opinion, I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it, that when Jesus said those words, how difficult it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom, I believe Jesus was referring to the first Adam. Jesus was the second Adam. I believe Jesus had Adam, the first man made in the image and likeness of God in his mind when he said those words. How difficult it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Adam did not ever enter into the kingdom because he refused to get the tree in the middle of the garden correct. He never repented. We have no evidence of it. And so I want you to turn with me to the words of the second Adam who did it correctly and showed you the way. It does you no good. Listen carefully. I don't begrudge you of anything. If it were up to me, I wish that all of you, every last one of you, could live in the most beautiful mansion and drive the very most luxurious car And I would not begrudge you of it an ounce. I would be so thrilled for all of you. My wife will tell you it's the absolute truth. I do not begrudge people of blessing. I find that attitude satanic. I hate it. 
I absolutely despise it. If I see a trace of it in another Christian, I have a difficult time respecting them. I'm being very candid. I'm being very transparent with you. I so hate when humans begrudge other people of blessings. I hate it. I hate it more than most of the people I know. I really don't like it. And I can tell you before God, with the purity of my words, I would be thrilled if every one of you had the very finest clothes, you drove the best cars, you lived in the best homes. I would be so thrilled for all of you. I would never begrudge it of you. My concern is different. My concern is this. I am aware that it is possible for you to get the best clothes, the finest car, the most beautiful home, and live absolutely above like the cream rising to the top. And I am aware that you could achieve all of that and die and go to hell. And I further understand that God is so opposed to you if you are only living in dysfunctional dominion, in disobedience to his law. I am so concerned because I know that he is so opposed to you. He will allow you to acquire all those things and to feel very confident about yourself and to become very, very proud. He will not give you any grace. Everything you have will be built in your own strength and the angel of the Lord with a flaming sword is only there to guarantee that as soon as you die, which is his first step in making sure that your dysfunctional dominion ends with your life, which is very short. Number one, God is against you. If you're rich and you have all these things and you haven't entered into the kingdom in your heart and you haven't obeyed the plain, clear words of Jesus, I'm gonna read to you in a moment. If you haven't done it, if you're still sitting there and you think you don't have to, I know what's going to happen. The Bible already told us in the book of Ecclesiastes, the angel with the flaming sword is here to make sure your dominion, because it's dysfunctional and disobedient, ends. You can write up your legal contracts. You're going to leave your children an inheritance. You can take all the natural precautions. I'm sure Adam took. He lived 900 and something years. He was far smarter than you. I'm sure he did estate planning. Any theologian tells us that by the time Adam reached the age of 900 and something, there were hundreds of thousands of human beings living in a, in a really very remarkable civilization. There were cities and there was government and there were all kinds of really fabulous things. People didn't get sick and ill and die like we do now. They didn't have, they weren't born like you and I with with hardly any, and I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating, only a tiny little like walnut piece of your brain actually works. You realize that? I mean, the very smartest Einstein had just like the size of a walnut was the only part of his whole brain that actually worked, okay? So we're all born with like, you know, almost pea-brained, almost. We ha our heads are big. Mine's really big. It's hard to find a hat with a head like this. I got a big head. I, I, I put my head next to my wife. I look like an Anakim giant or something. Her little teeny tiny head and my big fat head. So I know my brain, I got a big brain. It probably weighs five pounds, eight pounds. I don't know. I, I got a big brain. But I, the very best case scenario, I'm using like a walnut size piece of it. 
And this is the effect of sin. I mean, literally, sin screws your head up. You don't think good. And what I want you to understand is that first thousand years, Adam, he was, he was a better businessman than anybody, okay? Being a great businessman doesn't do anything. You're going to go to hell. So it's not that, that God doesn't want you to be good at something. It's not that he doesn't want you to be a good businessman or that he doesn't want you to figure out your dominion instinct. It's the opposite. It's that if you don't do it correctly, you can't enter the kingdom. You will die. The angel with the flaming sword is there to make sure that your children, listen to me, the kids you leave your money to, carefully listen, they will fail. God will make sure of it because he's opposed to you. God is not passive. He's not passive. He's, he's not in neutral, just letting all this play out and watching from heaven going, oh, that was a shame. Oh, wow, I wish they had done that different. Oh, well. He's not doing this. The Bible says, it doesn't say that God just doesn't give grace to anyone but humble people. No, listen, here's what it says. God resists the proud. That's enough. That's, there's, your, there's your sermon. God resists the proud. Do you, listen, let me ask you, do you want to know, would you like to know that God was resisting you? If you're in your right mind, you realize if God consciously decides in heaven, I am going to resist you. Brad Hop, God says, I'm resisting you. I don't like what you're doing. I am here to resist you. I'm not going to let you have dysfunctional dominion. You can make all the plans you want. Your inheritance you're leaving to your kids, you, got, you have amassed millions of dollars. You wouldn't listen. You're cocky. You're arrogant. You wouldn't tithe. You didn't think you needed to tithe, Brad. You would not put the kingdom first. You wanted me to be second or third. I'm here to resist you. So you can make all your legal plans, get your attorneys, line them up. I'm God, okay? You're going to leave your inheritance. All your money is going to your children. Your children are cursed. They have no promise. We have no covenant. I made a covenant. You refused to enter into it. I wanted to help your children. I wanted to watch over all that you had dominion over. I wanted to make sure that the inheritance you were going to leave to your kids. I wanted to make sure that it was eternal, that it went on, that your children's children's children served me. And I, and I made a covenant that I was going to watch out for them because you're temporary. You're leaving. You're dying. After you're gone, you've got to trust that you've entered into agreement with me and I'm concerned about the future of your lineage and I'm going to watch over it and I'm not going to let any of the stuff that you earned honestly and honorably that you did on behalf of my kingdom, the things that you achieved because I asked you to achieve them on behalf of my kingdom, you did it for me and I'm doing it for you. So when you die, I'm watching over your kids. Your inheritance is good. And it won't be lost. In fact, your children will go further than you went. They'll go deeper than you went. They'll have more influence than you had. They'll achieve greater things than you because my kingdom is growing and it's getting bigger. The best investment you can make into your own future is to make an investment into my kingdom because nobody, not even hell, can stop what I am doing in this earth. I am coming back and it's mine and you've made an investment. We're in a contract. I wanted to have a covenant, but you wouldn't do it. So I'm resisting you. I had an angel in the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword. Adam did just like you. He refused to enter in and, and use his dominion instinct for me. 
he did it his own way. And he was supposed to fill the world up with righteous children. What did he do? He filled the world up with rotten people. I had to drown all of them. They were so vicious. They were so evil. The only way I could protect Noah, because Noah was a good man, and I looked at the world and I was left with one option. The only way that I could keep Noah and his family safe from the evil of all those children was to kill all of them. And the angel with the flaming sword that punted Adam and Eve out of the garden stood there to never allow them to come back in. And that angel still has a job and his job is to resist the proud. And if you won't have dominion the way I want the partnership to work on my terms, and you want to do it the way Adam did it, the same thing's going to happen to you. My angel is not letting you in my kingdom. Not, you're not coming in my garden because my garden doesn't have you in the middle of it. My garden, my kingdom, you are not the center of my kingdom. And Adam, you and Adam, you and Adam's just like you, just like him. It's all about you. I had my own stuff in the middle. You're supposed to be in orbit around me and around my kingdom. That was my property. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it, I said. It's not yours, Adam. That's mine. Don't touch it. But you violated the property dominion instinct. And you decided when you went to the tree, you decided that you were going to steal my dominion. And then look at what your children turn out like. Look at all of them. Had to flood the earth because of your kids. See, that angel is still standing there, folks. There is only one way into the kingdom. Nothing has changed. Nothing. When Jesus said how difficult it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom, he was thinking of, yeah, it would be tough to get past that angel with the flaming sword. It really would be. Can't do it. They're good at swinging those things. And God resists the proud. So if you're in pride and you've exalted your own opinions about what your duty is or isn't, that exalts itself against what the Bible says your duty is. That's incredibly arrogant. It's disobedient, and God is resisting you. So, you know, build up your wealth, get your property, buy your cars, get your clothes. Go do all the stuff that you want to do and have it your way. Adam did the same thing, and God's ensured two ways that your dysfunctional dominion is very temporary. One, you're dying. Your physical body's gonna die. They're gonna bury you. And after you're gone, you got no covenant to take care of your children. Your children will be just like you. They learn all the bad things from you. They're cursed. They'll have no dominion. They're, they're all temporary. And you've got, you don't have me watching over the generations. You wouldn't listen to me. This is serious. You're listening to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon after these messages. Our country is no longer in need of a great awakening. America is in need desperately of a resurrection. And there's a difference between a resurrection 
and a great awakening. In far too many American churches, the Great Commission has been reduced. The emphasis is on really getting people ready to die. But the church is not here to get people prepared to die so much as we're here to equip people and how to truly live. I've written a new book that talks about this. It's called A Storm, A Message, A Bottle. You can get a copy of the book at beyondthewallsradio.com. God bless you. Welcome back to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. You know, I talked about King David. He had his dominion epiphany. Wait a minute. Uh, I, I built up my own kingdom here. I'm standing in a, in a royal palace that's permanent. And yet my God is still in a, a tent. A tent that was given to Moses because we were so rebellious, we couldn't have a permanent place. We kept wandering in circles and disobedience. And our disobedience left God himself in a portable place. This isn't right, prophet Nathan said, bingo. So David decided, I gotta build God a house. God said, no, I'm gonna tell you something. I love your attitude, I love your heart. You can't build me. You can't build me a house, David. I just wanted you to want to do it. You can't do it because you've sinned too much. Here's what you get to do. You go buy the property and you make a sacrifice and you say you're sorry for your sins. That's your role. Your son Solomon won't be a bloody man of war. And I'll allow him to build my house, my permanent temple, but you can't do it. The first thing you have to do, ladies and gentlemen, when you enter into the kingdom, one of the first things you have to do is you have to say you're sorry. And you have to realize you're so dirty. You're, the sin in your life and in your heart has contaminated you so much that God may bless you with the privilege of taking your money and purchasing the property for what he wants to do. And on that property is the place where you say, God, forgive me, I've done wrong. And if the repentance is genuine, if your generation handles this right, if your generation pays the physical price for the physical property, the dominion on behalf of the kingdom of God. David had his kingdom, but God wanted to have a physical temple built upon the physical dirt. And he still does today. Taking dominion today has to do very naturally with the acquisition of land and churches. And if you handle it right, and you're a generational thinker, like Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 is teaching us, and you pass the baton to the next generation, and you set a right example, you're repentant, and you pay the money, your children's children will be blessed, and they will build upon your shoulders, and do greater things, and go further than you. But if you are like Adam, listen to me, if you continue in your obstinate, dysfunctional dominion and you're going to do your thing and you don't really want to do anything but tip God and you're not going to participate and have the epiphany that David had, you're dying and you can leave it to your kids and they'll spoil it. It will be frittered away. Just read the book of Ecclesiastes and listen to the wisest man in the world, Solomon, tell you, what will happen to the things you leave your children if you don't listen and hearken to the voice of the Lord this morning. 
Go with me, please, to Luke chapter 18. The second Adam is going to say something. Luke chapter 18. I don't want to be just using my dominion instinct, going to all the seminars, learning all the financial tax tricks and tips, making all the right investments, buying at the right time and selling at the right time. I am not interested in any of that if I'm not even in the kingdom of God when I'm doing it. Luke 18, let's begin reading with verse 29, the words of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And he said unto them, listen carefully, listen. Verily, I say unto you, there is no man, listen, no one, no exceptions. It's a promise made by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are not the exception, and that's good news. There is no man that has left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, which shall not receive much more in this world and in the world to come life eternal. Ladies and gentlemen, that is an amazing promise. And do you know what the requirement is for that promise to belong to you? There are no exceptions. If you do this, Jesus Christ has just promised you are going to be restored, built back, and blessed here and after you die. But here is the catch. If you aren't willing to leave behind your houses, your land, your family, your brothers and your sisters who oppose the kingdom and who don't want anything to do with it. If you would rather stay with them and live like an atom in dysfunctional dominion, you do not have that promise. You may have houses and lands and friends and family in this life and you have nothing in the next. Jesus just made a spectacular promise and I think when he speaks of these he's remembering King David who said I want to build you a house and father said you can't build me a house but because you've offered I'm going to build you a house. Now go with me to John chapter 14, one more book over. John chapter 14. This is really serious because we're finding out that God this morning is not passive. He is active. Either, either or, a legitimate dichotomy, okay? Either or. You are humble and therefore the grace of God is flowing in your life through the body of Christ equipping you, strengthening you, and helping you to achieve all that he wants you to achieve. 
on behalf of his kingdom, or you're in pride and he is actively about the business of befuddling everything you attempt, making sure that when you die, your aggravating dominion is over with and whatever inheritance you leave to your children is minimized and frittered away with their own disobedience. The angel with the flaming sword, ladies and gentlemen, is still standing on the perimeter of the beautiful Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve are not getting back in. All their children throughout history, their babies, were born. You are the descendant of them. Your parents, your uber-great-grandparents were Adam and Eve. You were born, listen to me, you were born outside the garden. You were born outside the garden. And God is resisting you. And the only way to get inside, if it was the wizard, you shall not pass. <laughs> the only way to get past the angel with the flaming sword it is by grace that you are saved. It is by humility that the angel, come on in. You were born outside the garden. Your parents screwed it up. You inherited their bad instincts for business the selfishness to just get a bunch of stuff for you. You got that from your parents. You're just like them. And that's why you have to be born a second time. And when you're born the second time, you take on a new nature from a whole new set of parents that don't have all the problems that Adam and Eve had. This is why your flesh must be crucified for it contains the bad information from Adam and Eve. You were born outside the garden. I want you to get in. I want you to get in. You know what the church is? Jesus said it would be as it were in the days of Noah. This is the ark. This is the ark. It's all symbolic. The only way to get in, to be saved from damnation, was a tree, a particular tree. Instructions were given and the tree was chopped down and hewn and the boards were made and they built the ark, didn't they? And the tree was a tool that allowed them to rise above the laws. Using the law of buoyancy, they were able to come above the law that humans have to have oxygen. And there are laws that destroy, but if you'll enter into an institution built with the wood of the cross, Extra ecclesium nulla salus. Outside the church, there is no salvation. If you'll just come into the ark and you realize that the God who made this world, our creator, has given us laws that if, we will, if we'll cooperate with them, the laws of sin and death can't kill you because you float up above all of it. This is the ark. We need each other. It's the days of Noah, people. It's the day. The world has been filled up with the children of dysfunctional dominion. They're all around you. They commercialize Christmas. 
Everything is about stuff with them. Please don't be one of them. This has been Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. God himself blew on his tree so that there would be a light. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Extra Ecclesium Nulla Salus. There is no salvation outside of the church. Thank you for tuning in. 